general, it's been a pretty good week around Chicagoland. <laughs> right on? I mean, the Cubs won the World Series. It's November 6th and it feels like summer. Got an extra hour of sleep last night? I mean, let the good times roll. Bring on an election. <laughs> Was all good till the end there, right? Um, and Lord willing, every Sunday is a good day of worship, but we keep asking these difficult questions, at least we have been through uh, since September, um, questions about God. Who is God? What is God like? Why is there evil in the world? Why do innocent people suffer? I mean, these difficult questions that kind of sandpaper the soul. I mean, questions that we all have, and uh, no matter how long you've been worshiping or going to church or doing whatever, like these questions are forced on us by life. And the question for today, I mean, is, is pretty fundamental. If the answer to this question, can I get to know God? If that question is no, then, I mean, everything else we've been talking about, please disregard it because it's just murmuring in the dark anyways. Can we get to know God? On the one hand, the initial answer is obviously yes. Why else would we be here? Why do people go to synagogues and temples and mosques and churches if we're not fundamentally curious about God and believe that we can know something about him and communicate something to him, right? This instinct is deep, deep within human nature. On the other hand, on the other hand, if God is great and we are not, can we really get to know him? I mean, if God is almighty and eternal, timeless, if he is all-powerful and all-knowing, if he is omnipresent, all places at once, and if he is all-loving, how can a little person like me know something about a great person like that? Let me put it this way. If you have a dog or a cat or a guinea pig or an ant farm, whatever you may have, how well does your pet actually know you? I mean, don't get me wrong, dogs and cats can be pretty emotionally sensitive, but they do not appreciate the finer points of our financial troubles or our intellectual struggles. They care nothing about the Chicago Cubs or what's happening on Tuesday. I mean, they know as much as we kind of let them know when we get down to their level. Your cat, your dog, your guinea pig, your ants, they don't really know you. And here's the horrible part. The difference between the cat species and the human species is like this. And the difference between the human species and the God who made every bit of matter in the universe is significantly, infinitely greater. And if a guinea pig can't know us, how can we know God? You feel that? You hear what I'm saying? I mean, God is way, way, way beyond us people. Here's the good news. Just like sometimes we get down on our knee and, you know, pet our cat, kick our cat, 
clean our cat's litter box, whatever we, like we condescend to our pets. And that is exactly what God in his infinite almighty kindness does to us. Can we know God? The answer is yes, but not because we have great intellectual powers, not because we have some kind of emotional insight, not because we bring any awareness of his awesomeness to the table. The answer to that question, can we get to know God, is yes, only because God in his grace and kindness gets down on his knees in Jesus Christ and in the presence of the Holy Spirit and says, here's what I'm like. So yes, we can know God. But just like our pets only know a little bit of us, we ought not to get out of our humble posture or think that we know more than we can because God in his infinite love, we only now are going to see a tiny little glimpse. So we heard from Psalm 19 um, in a document called the Belgic Confession. It's nearly 500 years old. Um, It is something near and dear to Reformed Christians, it says something about how we get to know God, how God gets on his knees and shows himself and reveals himself to us. If you would follow along with me, Belgic Confession, awesome. It says this, we know God in two ways, by two means. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, if you would read the yellow. The universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God. So, way number one to get to know God, God gives us a book. It's called Creation. We open this book with our eyes, our ears, with science, with curiosity. That's way number one. But secondly, God makes himself known to us in an even clearer way. God's holy and divine word is as much as we need in this life for his glory and for our salvation. So there is a second book. We call this the Bible, right? So quick aside about knowing. Usually when we say, I know something, we are talking about our brains, our intellects, right? How do I get to know more about music? Take some lessons, go to a music theory class. How do I get to know more about economics? Take a course in economics, right? Knowing for us uh, in the Western part of the world, very much in the brain. I want to submit to you that when we talk about knowing God in a place like this, we're talking about something significantly deeper than the brain. In my understanding, I would like to share with you, there are at least three levels of knowing, okay? So back in February, March, lots of people knew that the Cubs were going to have a good year. Know what I'm saying? Like you knew it because you could look at their roster on paper, you could look at the experience of last year, and it could be like, they're going to be pretty good this year. I know it. By the end of June into the early July, by the All-Star break, I think maybe the Cubs still had the best record in baseball at the time. They had a little nosedive right before the... But, like, it was clear. The Cubs are going to go to the playoffs. They're really good. Like, and people who are hardcore fans, like, people knew in their hearts, like, this is going to be a great year. We're at least going to the playoffs. Like, I mean, this might be the year. More than the brain, it had, like, sunk down onto, like, 
deep heart level. And now, and now the unthinkable has happened. <laughs> right? And you can say and know, I mean, you know it and feel it in your bones, especially if you've been following this team for decades. I mean, you, you know that the Cubs are World Series champions. Not just in the brain, not just in the heart, but it's like a full body experience. As sure as God made green apples, the Cubs have won the World Series. On a little deeper level. It's a little personal. When I was 16 years old, I looked across a geometry classroom and I saw this girl named Sarah. I had heard about her. And I thought in my head, she's hot. <laughs> no, I, I kind of observed her for a few days and I thought, I think I could really like her. Like she was really kind to other people, deferential. I mean, she had this lovely, quiet way about her. Then I started talking to my friends, like pretty much nonstop about her. And after two months, they were finally like, dude, you better ask her out to homecoming or we're going to kill you. Just ask her out. So we started going out, and then we never stopped going out. During our dating relationship, this like went from like, I think I could like her to, I really like her. And then I like her more. And after three years, uh, I asked her to marry me. Right? This is a very much a heart question, not a brain question. I was 19 years old at the time. Did not advise that for anyone here. <laughs> Did not have it all figured out. Just dumb enough to make it work. But asked her from my heart. And now it's 25 years later. We've had some great times, horrible times, wars, bad. I mean, like a lot has happened. But through it all, I can stand in front of you today and say, in a deeper place than just my emotional center, like down deep inside me, I know she is the right woman for me. It's not my brain. It's not my heart. It's something more. And Lord willing, 25 years from now, if we're both still walking the earth, I will be significantly more confident that like, we were meant to be together for better or for worse. You hear me on this? Anybody who's been married for 50 years, can you testify? Thank you. Oh, it's scary, but... Like, like there, there's a deep and unshakable confidence that comes if you really hang on to each other for, the, for that long, right? The same thing happens with knowing God. For many of us, especially if we didn't grow up with it, like it starts with an intellectual curiosity, could this stuff, this spiritual stuff, like, there, is there something to it? Is there more than just what I see, more than the material universe? Could there really be a God behind it all? What could it be like? Could there really be, like, sacred scriptures or revelation from God, this Jesus person? Everybody loves Jesus. Like, could he really be the son of God? Could it be true? It often starts with questions and curiosity. And if that's where you're at this morning, more power to you. Be curious and dig in. Once you have a relationship, once you maybe kind of own it in your mind and think, like, I, I believe it, this connection opens up between your heart and your head, and you, Lord willing, have a regular experience with God. Like, you feel him whispering to you. You sense his presence in and around you. You experience him through prayer. You get maybe just a little word that guides you or directs you, like you, you know it in your heart. And then 
If you tally up enough of those experiences through years of following Jesus, through decades of walking with God, of being in the community of God, I mean, after decades and decades and decades of that, you can come to a place where you don't know everything. That's not what I'm saying. But where your hope, where your faith is so solid and grounded and real that there is going to be no circumstance or horrible thing that can shake you out of knowing, knowing the love of God. Knowing, knowing, and knowing. I like to use this phrase, I know that I know that I know. When we use this verb to know in church, it is typically on this deepest, deepest level. So when I say yes to the answer, can we get to know God? Not just talking about the brain, not just talking about the heart, talking about deep down. And God gives us these two books by which we can know him. So number one, the book of creation. This is a book that is for everybody to read. All children, women, men, at all times and places. The physical universe is here to make us curious about the one who made it all. The sun, the moon, how birds fly and migrate, how fish move and multiply. Lobsters, how trees grow, how bees pollinate. Jumping spiders. Jumping spiders that dance around and imitate ants so that birds will not eat them because birds don't like ants. Why do they do this? I have learned more about the human eye this year than I would have cared to through um, my wife's sickness. Once a month we go to the eye doctor and there's all kinds of charts on the walls. They put dye in her eye and have these crazy, super high-resolution pictures of how the human eye Works. I mean, we're like looking at these things down to like the cellular level. And every time I leave that office, I just am amazed and say to God, it's amazing that anybody can even see for one day of their life. Like the number of things that's going on. And that's just the eyeball, right? We're not talking about digestion or hearing. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God intends our bodies to make us curious about how it can all possibly work. Sitting on our counter at home right now is like a a test tube. It was just Sarah's birthday, and uh, she's going to do a a DNA ancestry test. This tube is alarmingly large. She's going to have to spit in this thing for like two weeks. (laughs) But my point is, like, isn't it amazing that you can spit in a tube at home, put it in the mail, and like six weeks later, like someone is going to send us her genetic results from hundreds and hundreds of years or where her forebears came from. It's fantastic how curious the human race has become and how adept we have become at reading the book of nature. If you are a kid here today and you are you know curious about physics or curious about astronomy, uh, curious about architecture, curious about just anything in the natural world, like there is no incompatibility between being a spiritual person, a Christian person, and being an awesome scientist. Quite simply, if it's true, it's from God. All truth is God's truth. 
sometimes we Christians get a bad rap, right? Because we cling to the old ways. We're like, that can't be true because it will make me have to change something about the way I see the world. All truth is God's truth. In Bible times, they saw the world very differently than we see it today. Sheol, the land of the dead, was underground. The land of the living on the surface. The heavens were like a permeable barrier up above in the sky. We don't see the world like that anymore. For hundreds and hundreds of years, people thought the earth was the center of the universe. We don't think that anymore. For a couple hundred years, people thought the sun was the center of the universe. We don't think that anymore. And then for a little while, we thought the Milky Way, our galaxy, was like the center of everything. We don't think that anymore. And we're even getting to the point, if my understanding of mathematics is correct, that maybe our universe is not even the center of any, everything. There might be multiple universes. Isn't that a scary thought? But if that turns out to be true, it will make us expand our minds. But will God be diminished in any way? I mean, God is the one who made everything. And if it turns out that he made multiple universes, oh my goodness, he still loves us. And he must be loving everything else that's out there somehow. If you are curious about science, young people, please pursue it in God's name and look at it as a book by which you get to know the one who made everything. So there is a humbling angle to this. Because as much as we know, there is far more that we do not know. So scientists tell us that in the observable universe, this isn't even talking about other universes, in the observable universe, what we see is less than 10% of what is materially in our universe. Dark matter, dark energy, we don't know how to understand it or even totally define it yet. We don't know how it works. We're seeing 10%. God has given this awesome, mysterious book. And we see a little of him, and we see a little bit of what's here. There is a second book called the Bible. The scripture, the whole writings, the gospel. And this is a book that is not only meant to be read, but if I can put it this way, it's a book that's meant to be eaten. Have you ever seen a little kid with a board book? I used to read to my kids. Sorry, dude. Uh, and sometimes, if I wasn't all the way through a board book and they wanted another one, they would take the book they wanted and just insert it in their mouth. Are my kids the only ones that did this? <laughs> You've never seen a kid eat a book? I mean, I think what's going on in a little kid's mind is, I really like the story, I'm not hearing it right now, so I'd like to, <laughs> I like the story. Like they're trying to get it inside them, right? And it's genius in a way, because that's what a story does. It not only goes into our ears and into our brains, but a really great story affects our hearts. And once we really, really know a story, it's part of us. And that's what God desires. Not that we have the whole thing memorized, but that it gets down into our heart and it becomes part of the fabric of our being. There are at least three occasions in Scripture where God tells people to eat Scripture. St. John, at the beginning of Revelation, is given a scroll, and he has to 
chomp it down before he prophesies. It happened to the prophet Jeremiah. I just read the beginning of the book of Ezekiel uh, this week in my year in a Bible plan. Ezekiel is told, eat the scroll, son of man. And it goes down like honey and it becomes like fire in his bones. And only then can he share the word of God with others. So maybe you come to church and you're like, yeah, what can I learn about the Bible this week? Maybe you go to Bible study or small group and are like approaching it like, I need to know more about the Bible. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It is not the end game of what the Bible is there for. You can know a ton and miss the boat. God wants his word, even if it's just a little bit, to get inside you and down into the deepest part of knowing. I've come to learn this about myself. Like, in my own experience of God through the Bible, I need some parts of my reading to be very wide, right? So I do this read the Bible in a year thing, read like five chapters a day. Uh, sometimes it gets deep down, sometimes it's, you know, it's just my brain, but I'm doing it because it keeps me like with a varied diet. We're supposed to eat widely, varied foods, keeps us nutritionally healthy, read widely. But also, we need to take some bits of scripture, small bits, the bits that maybe personally and in a customized way we know we need this, and repeat it, and pray it, and memorize it, and gnaw on it, and then eat it again, and then have it for a snack the next day, and then when you're feeling bummed out, eat it for a snack that day. And then when you're going to bed, have it for a late night snack. And then you get up with it and you have it with a cup of coffee. You know what I'm saying? When I'm doing this with some guys, we are actually like going old school with memory verses. I mean, we're doing this like week by week. There's two or three memory verses. Can anybody testify to this? You scripture memorizing freaks out there? Nice. I mean, what this is all about is not just filling our heads with more scripture. That's good. It's getting it down here. Because if you keep a verse of scripture memorized over an entire year or nine months, by the time those nine months are gone, nobody can take it away from you. And you're giving God permission and power over your life. Because once you make those words part of your fabric, you're saying to God, whatever situation you want to bring those back to me, like, I'm your man there. Like, there are times where because of the things I've memorized, like, I can't escape God. Right? Because a situation happens, the connection fires, tap, tap, Holy Spirit on the shoulder. shoulder. Like, remember that thing you've been eating for the last few years? Mm -hmm. God wants us to read the book of Scripture widely, and he also wants us to chomp little bits down. I can't tell you which little bits those are for you. You need your, your kids, your spouses, your friends. But, man, share that kind of stuff together. God has also given us uh, a third giant favor to make this whole process works, work. Because we are not literate enough. We are not smart enough. We are not curious enough about the book of creation and the book of scripture on our own. So by faith, God gives us the Holy Spirit to live in this deep place of knowing. 
within ourselves. I really love this thought that one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is simply to keep us curious, to light the fire of our curiosity. It would be a bad mistake to leave this room today and think, like, hey, the pastor at Elmhurst Christian Reformed Church, you know, one of those dudes told us, like, hey, science is good. That was kind of crazy. And just read the Bible more. Try harder. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we get to know God when, our, when the fire of our curiosity burns hot and bright. Right? If we stay spiritually curious and curious about the world around us, everything else takes care of itself. Like, you don't have to like, try hard with your human effort. It's God himself who makes you want to understand the world more, understand yourself more, understand the scriptures more. So are you a curious person? I mean, not are you strange, but are you an inquisitive person? Are you a curious person? If you are, it's the Holy Spirit working in you. If you are not, this would be a great thing to pray for the Holy Spirit's help for. God, make me so curious that when I start to get bored in the evening, I want to tune in to either the book of nature or the book of scripture rather than just vegging out. Like, that would be a great prayer. That would be a great way to spend an evening, right? God, make me so curious that when I get up in the morning, my desire to hear something from you or know something about you outweighs my desire simply to have my own needs met. The Holy Spirit wants to make you curious about these two books. <clears throat> Last but not least, uh, for sure this is God's agenda. This is God's plan for you to know him more, to be curious about him more. In John chapter 17, uh, verse 3, I'm just going to read the bold words here. Jesus says this, Now this is eternal life. It's quite a statement. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Like, this is like all the eggs in the basket, right? Jesus is saying, this is how you know you are saved. This is how you experience eternity with God. It is about knowing, not this kind of knowing, not this kind of knowing. It is about the deep knowing of God and Jesus whom you have sent. Now, when we know God, when we experience him on that deep, deep level, it is uh, like a joy and a pleasure uh, that not much else, that nothing else can match. Uh, I mean, the city of Chicago is feeling pretty good right now. And this is why. We have witnessed uh, something that is more true than just baseball. Let me try to illustrate in conclusion. So after 108 years of humility and losing and suffering and losing some more and, I mean, some lifelong Cubs fans even dying. I mean, my, my 
dad, if God rest his soul, in the grave. I mean, he lived his whole life and never saw it. And now, like, they won. There's been a, a victory, a resurrection, an ascension, a parade, glory. Like, there's, there's something that should just thrill in our bones, not just because of baseball, but because the story that we just witnessed is the story of the world. Like, it's, it's God's story. So on a, on a deeper level, right, there's, there's sin, there's trouble, there's human failure, there's suffering, there's losing, there's sickness, there's death. I mean, so low that God becomes one of us and dies on a cross. It's the ultimate low. And then three days later... There's a resurrection. There's a, there's a victory. There's an ascension. There's glory. There's a parade. There's eternity. I mean, this story is the ultimate story. And if you know God, like the pleasure and the joy that comes from tasting and knowing and having a, one little tiny part of that story, like it gives so much pleasure and joy on the deep down level that it makes this whole World Series business, no offense to baseball lovers, pale in comparison. So I've been asking myself this week, like, I've been really happy because <laughs> of this whole deal, right? And I keep asking myself, like, am I... Is my joy and pleasure in knowing God, like, is it as, as, as great and deep as it should be? Is it 20 times greater than World Series joy? Is it 100 times greater than World Series joy? I have a long way to go in knowing God and enjoying God. But for all my failures, I do know this. It depends on him and his grace and his reaching down. And I wish you a hundred, a thousand, a million times the joy and the pleasure from that relationship as all the good stuff that has happened around here in the, in the last week. And if you don't, if you can't see that yet, if you can't believe that that could be yet, uh, I would testify to you that it is true. There are people in this room who have been walking with God a lot longer than me who can really testify that it is true. And I would simply invite you in the meantime to keep being curious. Curious about the book of nature, about science, curious about the book of the word. Because if you stay in those two things, God in his goodness and faithfulness will indeed make himself known to you. Amen. Can you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that in your greatness you have humbled yourself and come down to our level. And you have given us extraordinary ways to learn about you. God, give us by your spirit, give us curious spirits. God, bless the curious and the scientific in our midst. Bless those who are architects and economists. Um, 
those who live their lives in the realm of mathematics and physics and God, give us also a desperate hunger and thirst for your word. And please, please meet us in those old ancient words as we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, a couple announcements before I invite the deacon.